Hi, Natalie. Hey, Tara. How's it going? Good. How are you? Doing okay. Doing okay. Living the dream. <laughs> good, good. Yeah, same. I don't feel as worn out lately for some reason. Really? Because you uh, you've sound really busy lately. You've been all over the place taking in all kinds of live shows and stuff. I don't know how you do it. I think what it is is spring has sort of reinvigorated me mm. or something. Yeah, yeah. It's that, that post-COVID surge we talked about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did go to a show last night that was quite great. Really? Do tell. Yes. So I went to see Evan Dando solo oh, sweet. at City Winery. Oh, cool, cool. How was that? It was really good. He gets a bad rap sometimes. Uh, a lot of people say, you know, oh, his voice isn't the same. He doesn't try really hard, et cetera, et cetera. But his set list was really long. He does a lot of really great covers of Legends, you know, Graham Parsons, Lucinda Williams, Black Sabbath even cover. Hmm. But it was really good. I thought he sounded great. I mean, of course, he does do some funny, weird things sometimes <laughs> on stage and make, speeds up the songs in certain weird spots. But I think he's very likable yeah. in that regard. Yeah. Oh, hi. How are you? Hey. Welcome to the store. Welcome. I'm Tara. I'm Natalie. Uh, let us know if you need anything. The dollar bin is over here. We'll be behind the counter chatting about music. Yeah, awesome. So yeah, but a really great fun thing happened to me at that show. Oh, okay. What happened? I was in the very front because we all know I'm very obsessed with the Lemonheads and Evan Dando. Uh-huh. Uh, and also, I just think he's one of the most underrated songwriters of our time. I think he could be considered to be another Graham Parsons, John Prine, maybe a little less folksy, but I think he's an amazing songwriter. Anyway, all that being said, I was in the very front and he comes down and gets, he bends down low. And I, I first think, okay, he's about to serenade my bestie. So I get my camera ready. Yeah. And then he hands me his guitar pick. And I was <gasps> like, uh, like at first I'm what? like, oh, this is cool. Memorabilia. But then he says, play. And I just, what? I'm like, oh my God, uh, fumble, almost dropped my phone. <laughs> then start strumming the song that I, I don't even remember what song this is now. It was, I was so caught up in the moment. That's crazy. I was strumming to the best of my ability from the very front of his guitar, which is quite awkward of a way to strum a yeah, guitar. Yeah. And he was like, good job. <laughs> and went and ended the song and I was uh, and then my friend of course wasn't recording the what? entire thing she did not push record on her phone so <laughs> so you just missed the whole thing did she did thing. she think it was recording or she just she thought oh, she thought no. it was recording oh that sucks <laughs> yeah uh luckily we think we, somebody near us got it on video so we're gonna hunt it down but yeah it was quite okay. the experience wow that's crazy you know what? Stuff like that makes me, that's why I don't always sit in front because stuff like that makes me, freaks me out. Or like at a comedy show or something where you're sitting in the front and you just know they're going to do some crowd work and you're like right in the crosshairs. It's very brave of yeah. you. But I guess if it's, it's somebody you admire as much as Evan Dando, you'd want to oh, yeah. be right up front. I'm surprised I didn't totally fumble and just mess it all up and drop the pick and freak out. And uh, yeah. And I almost wonder, because I often do the um, setlist.fm. So I'm constantly 
in between songs, adding the songs to the play- set list. Sometimes I'll just add notes and add it later. But I wonder if he saw me on my phone and thought I was bored, so he came over to Spice. <laughs> right. I make up these scenarios <laughs> in my head. I'm a little neurotic in that sense. Right. I don't know. He was going to engage with you one way or another. Damn it. I was hoping. I mean, that is another thing, though, about loving music and being that close is that you always do kind of dream for some interaction like that. Yeah, that's awesome. I got my wish and it was not recorded by my friends. Well, that just means it's, you'll just cherish (laughs) it more in your brain the way we used to old school before we had phones like that. That's true. You know, it's a great story to tell as well. But yeah, that his solo album we talked about once in the store um, as one of our album of the month. That's right. Albums of the month. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Speaking of. Yeah. I feel like it's, Speaking it's of, been a minute. I think it's about that time. The month of, uh, the month's almost out. We need to, we need to catch up with ourselves. I'm sure we've got some, some cool albums to chat about. What do you think? There's always albums to talk about. Yeah. I think it's time. Another month, another album. Absolutely. Let's do it. Or two. Album Let's of the month club. How about you kick it off first? Okay. Yeah. Actually, the last album of the month that we talked about was Bonnie Raitt's debut album, Self-Titled. And this month, I've chosen a similar album from the late 60s that was actually kind of forgotten about. And I just learned about it recently. I'm in this uh, music league thing where we all submit songs based on whatever theme and then we vote for each song, like we have, you know, maybe two points to this song, two points to that one, one point to another, zero points. And, you know, there's a winner. Mm-hmm. Anyways, someone submitted a song from this album and I was like, what? I have never heard of this. What is this? Oh my gosh. Oh, that's cool. The, the band is The City. The album is Now That Everything's Been Said, 1968. <laughs> I had never heard of this album ever. That's wild to me. It's crazy, right? So this is a band that Carole King was in before Tapestry. Yeah, yeah. That's why it's wild. Not wild that I hadn't heard of an album from 1968. But yeah, when I saw that it was connected to Carole King, I'm like, what? What is this? Yeah. So I guess when I was mentioning last month's album of the month, Bonnie Raitt, a legend, songwriter from the late 60s, early 70s. This one, Carole King, totally underrated secret album. It's not secret, but it was just kind of forgotten for a long time. Yeah. So yeah, similar in that sense. A legendary singer-songwriter who's gone on to do really great things, but there's this this album that's been collecting dust in her discography. And I didn't know about it. And so I, I wanted to do like kind of a little album of the month exploration. Absolutely. Great pick. Sweet. And I also gave like a little bit of history the last time I talked about Bonnie Raitt. I kind of wanted to do the same thing for this one because, you know, Carol King, she's had a really long history with music and songwriting. So it's kind of nice to get a perspective of where does this one fall in her long spanning career. Mm-hmm. So we'll start all the way back from when she was in high school. She formed this band called The Cosigns and they made demo records with her old buddy Paul Simon for $25 a session. Oh. 
And then just my friend, Paul Simon. (laughs) I'm in high school. Then when she was 16, she had her first official recording. It was the single, The Right Girl, and it was released by ABC Paramount in 1958. She wrote the song and she sang to an arrangement that was made by Don Costa. Now again, she's 16 years old at this point. She goes to college where she meets Jerry Goffin, who was to become her songwriter partner. But when she was 17, they got married. But this is the guy who, like, this is the guy that wrote all of those amazing hits with her. You make me feel like a natural woman. Yeah. Locomotion, a little Eva, all of those songs. After writing the Shirelles Billboard Hot 100 number, Will You Still Love Me Tomorrow, that was, by the way, the first number one hit by a black girl group, Jerry and Carol gave up their daytime jobs to concentrate on their songwriting. And they wrote a ton of amazing hits, like I said. But then by 1968, Goffin and King were getting a divorce and they were starting to lose contact with each other. So Carol King moves out to Laurel Canyon with her two daughters and she forms this band, The City. And it's a trio consisting of Charles Larkey her future husband Mm -hmm. on bass, Danny Korchmar on guitar and vocals, and then Carol King on piano and vocals. And this band only produced this one album, now that everything's been said, from 1968. And it didn't really perform very well in the charts, didn't really get much love, people didn't really seemed to like it so much. And there was a change of distributors, so the album was deleted. The group broke up in 1969, and I don't think Carol King wanted it to even be reissued or redistributed after that for a long time until not too long ago. But at one point in the 80s, I think the album was sort of rediscovered, and on classic rock radio, Snow Queen kind of got some airplay for a few years, which is interesting, but Tapestry then followed, and we all know what happened after that. So yeah, I think that this album is kind of like the missing link between her songwriting extravaganza with Jerry Goffin and then her performance career to follow. So Yeah, with this The City album, it probably didn't help matters that they didn't perform or tour with it at all, right? Because of her her stage fright. So it it just got no attention at all. It's wild. But yeah, so let's dive into it here. My favorites uh, on this album are actually more at the top of the album, but some really cool, interesting factoids too here on all these songs. Snow Queen, the first track is, I love it. It's great. It's beautiful. Jazzy drums and really nice bass part. It's hard to hear when you listen to this song, like, why wasn't this a success? It's really good. Oh, I know. This is my favorite track on the whole album. Yeah. Their harmonies are just amazing. Yeah. But Jerry Goffin, her ex-husband, and Carol wrote this song. It was originally recorded by this group called Roger Nichols and the Small Circle of Friends. Really? In 1966. Yeah. And in small 
which sounds like kind of an old fashioned, like Carpenters, early Carpenters meets like Lawrence Welk type sing- singing group vibe. <laughs> um, so this one I think is a lot cooler version, jazzy, um, soulful, kind of folky at the same time. Yeah, this one I think is my favorite, mm-hmm. favorite track of theirs. Then we go on to track two. And just for this one, I just wanted to note that the birds covered this song, I Wasn't Born to Follow, for the Easy Rider soundtrack. Oh, wow. Yeah. And actually, I'll mention this maybe a couple more times, but as much as this album was kind of a failure, a lot of other bands covered songs from this album. So So it still made an impact. Right, right, exactly. But yeah, so the birds covered I Wasn't Born to Follow, track mm. two. And then track three is probably my next favorite after Snow Queen. And it's the title track, Now That Everything's Been Said. Now that everything's been said, now that everything's been done, how come you leave me? It's a bit more upbeat, folksy, and the lyrics are kind of about a, a lover asking their lover why do they want to leave kind of it's longing a bit of longing to this folksy more upbeat song and this band called american spring covered this song i think in like 1969 brian wilson produced their only album brian wilson of the beach boy (laughs) (laughs) okay so somebody's listening to this album the people who need to hear it are hearing it yeah exactly I also love this song. This is also my second favorite. Oh, good. Yep, we are totally in sync. I I love it because I like when songs kind of fake you out with the music, you know, having a totally different energy than the lyrics. So you're kind of yes. like dancing to it and singing along, but then you you stop to think about the words and it's like quite sad and heavy, you know? Um, yes. But it sort of hints at that at the end when she sings the line, how come you want to leave me here for the last time? And like the whole thing just sort of slows down. It's almost as if... She's coming to grips with reality in that moment. And I just, I love little touches like that. For me, that's yeah. that's what really sets some writers, some composers apart from the rest. 100%. And I think track four is actually another good representation of this same thing. It's called Paradise Alley. Show me. And Don Palmer, who actually went on to sing Dirty Work with Steely Dan, one of our favorites, uh-huh. he co-wrote this one with Carol King, so oh, nice. that's really cool. Yeah, but again, this song sounds very hopeful, but the lyrics are really sad. Yeah. It's kind of like being taken out to pasture. You know, they mentioned showing, showing them brighter pastures, and then she sings, I'm about to be drowned, and my cup is so empty. Just let me know when my time has come. She's Ugh. about to be taken out to pasture. Yeah, yeah. Paradise Alley, I guess, is the end of the road. But yeah, again, like you just wouldn't think this is this kind of depressing song because the music does not convey that whatsoever. Right, just right. the lyrics do. Then we get on to track five. And again, I'm not going to say too much about this one. I just wanted to call out that the monkeys covered this one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the monkeys, um, the Righteous Brothers yeah. also. 
but oh really yeah you know the version i'm familiar with because i actually knew this song it sparked a memory as well and it's not from the monkeys nor the righteous brothers but from benny king the great r&b soul singer best known for stand by me he covers this song oh. as well That's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. Super neat. Man, all see, yeah, a lot of really respectable musicians, legends even, are aware of this album and have covered it. Oh, yeah. T- took it and made it theirs, which is really, really interesting. Because I, I feel like that that was something we mentioned with the Bonnie Raitt album as well, is that that Paul Bell song, I can't even remember the name of the title now of the song, or sorry, the name of the song, but... Is another artist that no one really had heard much about, but had been covered so many times by a ton of other just legendary artists. It's so interesting how that happens. Yeah. I also like this song too, because I think it's Danny that's singing on this one. And Mm -hmm. Danny and Carol's voices sound so good together again. And she's she's got a really unique tone to her voice. So it's not at all trivial that their voices would match so well, but it does work. It's really pretty. That's a good... That's a good observation that her, yeah, because her voice isn't just like a traditional, like traditionally good singing voice. It's, it's a good singing voice. I'm not saying that it's not. But yeah, it just yeah. has this tone. She's got like this twang yeah. to it. It's very unique. Right. It is. Cool. And I jump forward to track seven, Why Are You Leaving? And it's just another lamenting love song. And I wonder if some of these lamenting love songs are there because of her own personal issues that she's experiencing with the divorce that she's going through with her songwriting partner. Yeah, that's a pretty song as well. I also like, I know you didn't mention this one, but I also like Victim of Circumstance. That one really grew on me too. Oh, I'm just a victim. And I think it's because of the lyrics. The lyrics really resonated with me. It's just this message of like, you might be kind of lost and wandering, but at the end, she just says, do the best you can and the rest will work itself out. It's just, I don't know. It's a, it's a good life mantra. That is a good life mantra. And I think she kept going through her circumstances and prevailed, mm-hmm. you know. The next one I would like to mention here is track 11, actually. And, and not to say that all the tracks are... Not worthy of mention, but there's just a lot of great stuff to listen to. There's not a whole lot of difference between a lot of them, but I really think 11 is one that's special. And it was also covered by a great band, Blood, Sweat, and Tears. But it's really bluesy, kind of a pop song. And I do think this one sticks out for being a little bit different from the others in its bluesiness. Is that the uh, Heidi Ho one? Yes. Yeah. That old sweet roll, yeah, Heidi yeah. Ho. Singing Heidi, 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 Heidi Ho. People love a good sing-along moment. For sure. <laughs> but yeah, all in all, I mean, I don't know if you have more comments to add, but I think all in all, this album is just 
a really great mellow, folky rock album, and it's just been covered in dust over the years, and it deserves a little time to shine. Absolutely. So I hope, yeah, I hope that other people hanging out in the store today learn about it just like I did and give it a few spins. Yeah. I So I will say, I do also like I Don't Believe It because it's got that feel-good melody and that bouncy rhythm. It reminds me of an 80s sitcom intro. Yes. There's a few songs that I'm like, is this like the theme song to Welcome Back, Cotter? Like, oh my God. I was going to yeah. say the exact same show. <laughs> yes. That's exactly what it sounds like. And it made me so happy. Um, I also like the last track, All My Time, because there's just, there's something really beautiful mm-hmm. about the composition. Like that bridge in the chorus section is just so big and grand. I don't know if we could call it a, a power ballad, but I think relatively for this album, it's yeah. the power ballad of the album. Yeah. I think, I think you're right. I think of the album, it's probably the power ballad of, of all 12 tracks. It is the power ballad. For sure. So yeah, that was The City's 1968 album, Now That Everything's Been Said. And now that everything has been said, Carol King is on to a brand new life. What? Look at you, segue. <laughs> Perfect. My album just happens to be called Brand New Life from the artist no way. Brandy Younger. How'd you know, man? We're like so in sync today. It's crazy. <laughs> Yes. Okay. So Brandy Younger, she is a harpist who combines jazz, classical soul and funk elements into her signature style. She's worked with just a host of amazing artists, including Pharaoh Sanders, Reggie Workman, The Roots, Moses Sumney, and Charlie Hayden, believe it or not. Yeah. Another store favorite. She recently toured with another store favorite, Micaiah McRaven, in support of his Universal Beings album. So some quick background on Brandy Younger. She grew up in New York, began studying the harp as a teenager. She earned degrees in harp performance and music business at the University of Hartford. And by the time she entered grad school at NYU, she already had a pretty impressive resume and had developed working relationships with some big Grammy-nominated, Grammy-winning names, producers, right? And then meanwhile, on the classical side, she's been a featured soloist with just a ton of artists, the Harlem Chamber Players, Hartford Symphony Orchestra, Waterbury Symphony, Ensemble du Monde, just just the list goes on and on. She's been busy, I tell you, with that harp. Yeah. Can I just say, in 2020, she and Desron Douglas had these little pandemic uh, mornings uh, live streams and they made an album of it and it was one of my top five albums of 2020 stop it force majeure i love that album so much that's crazy and you you got to watch these streams live or did you like oh pick yeah it up the album? and they might oh. still be on youtube I'll have you to should watch go that. and check it out they cover a woman's work which is beautiful oh man and yeah and i saw her playing with makai mccraven for his big ears performance yeah yeah oh that's you're so lucky She's, i love it She's so good and wonderful. And oh, yes, I love it so much. Yeah, I'm so excited so about her, especially like now that I'm trying to fumble my way into learning the harp. She's like, oh, she's yeah. my muse. So I'm so Did pumped you get about her. Your uh, fancy six or however many strings harps? My cross strung harp? Yeah. My kick ass X harp? Yeah, that's my baby. You got it? I did. I did. It currently has a broken you- string. Ugh. Oh, no. So I have to, that's such an ordeal. Nobody warned me about 
the te- the constant like tedium of replacing your strings. And you know me, I'm not like the best at to-do lists. So like a string pops, I write it down on my to-do list. I copy it over two weeks worth of to-do lists before I actually get it together and fix the darn thing. Uh, but Brandy Younger, yeah. she's, she's reinvigorating me and I'm going to, I'm going to fix it. I'll do it when I get home from work, when I leave the store. Do it. There you go. <laughs> okay. So Younger's debut EP called Prelude was released in 2011. And cool fun fact, it was recorded in an analog studio, which I think was pretty awesome. Um, here's a bit of the track Hortense. So I wanted to play this because this track was actually featured in Beyonce's 2019 documentary, Homecoming. In 2021, Younger became the first Black female artist to be Grammy-nominated for Best Instrumental Composition. So far, she's released seven albums as a band leader, and she's got a laundry list of contributor appearances on other projects. But today, I want to talk about her most recent album, released in April 2023, called Brand New Life. All right, Brand so- New album by Brandy Young called Brand New Life. Yeah, it's it's perfect synergy in there, right? <laughs> yeah. So Pitchfork has a great setup for this album in its review. It reads, The community of genre-bending harpists is small. Few have the temerity to tackle the massive but delicate instrument, and those that do must grapple with its tendency to recede into the background. But most who have dragged the harp out of the classical context can trace their roots back to Dorothy Ashby, the pioneering Detroit harpist, whose 1968 album Afro Harping laid the foundation for the instrument's role in post-bop jazz, and few embody that legacy better than Brandy Younger. From this album and from learning about more about Brandy Younger, I learned about Dorothy Ashby, and I also learned the term post-bop. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> sort of an all, a catch-all term to describe not what jazz, this type of jazz is, but more what it is not. Which right, I think right. Is also Interesting very twist. Jazzy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, Dorothy Ashby's incredible. I want to play a bit from Afro Harping, actually, because her legacy just can't be overstated. This album was so innovative and unlocked a whole new perspective for the harp as the lead instrument. And she was like doing all this at the height of the civil rights movement. Uh, just really amazing. Here's a bit of Soul Vibrations. <laughs> This album's kick-ass, by the way. Um, so fresh, so funky, like totally sly in the family stone energy. And then you can really hear the influence on modern artists from Stevie Wonder all the way to Jay Dilla or Flying Lotus and so on, right? All right, so let's come back to Brandy Younger, who truly is taking up the mantle of this legacy and propelling it forward. First off, I have to read the human resources list for this album because it's pretty nut bar. Rashawn yeah. Carter and Junius Paul on bass, Makaya McRaven on drums, percussion, and overall production, guest appearances from Michelle and Degiocello on vocals, Joel Ross on vibraphone and xylophone, Deshaun Jones on flute, Pete Rock on production and drum programming, Ninth Wonder on production and drum programming, Mumu Fresh on vocals, and Yuri Popowitz on strings. So she's coming with the heavy hitters on this one. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so the album stacked. Yeah, totally stacked. 
So the album is a combo of Younger's own compositions, uh, reinterpretations of Ashby's music, as well as some of Ashby's unrecorded material. So it really is a tribute to Dorothy Ashby. And I want to shout out, shout out a few of my faves from the album. I'm obsessed with the opening track on this. It's called You're a Girl for One Man Only. This is such a mellow, ethereal vibe, and the melody is just so pretty. This is one of those unrecorded pieces from Dorothy Ashby with Brandy's twist on it. Yeah, this one's one of my favorites as well. It's so beautiful. Yeah, and I love it. What a way to open the album, you know? It just it sets the mood, the mood. Yeah, immediately. <laughs> then we have the title track, Brand New Life, which features Grammy-nominated singer-songwriter Moo Fresh. And from the first line she sings, you just get lost in it. Like her voice is just so magical. Let's take a little listen. I see you When I first heard that, I was like, okay, we have variety. Dude, yes, yes. Classic R&B vibes. She just hits you out the gate. It's, it's perfect. I love it so much. So then we get to hear Brandy's harping in a perfectly balanced hip-hop setting with the track Livin' and Lovin' in My Own Way. So this too is a reimagining of Dorothy Ashby's work. It's very trip hop. The production here, courtesy of legendary DJ and rapper Pete Rock, whom you may remember from 90s duo Pete Rock and Seal Smooth, one of the great pillars of East Coast hip hop. There's a really great clip of the two of them together on Good Morning America, where they talk more about the album and Ashby's influence, um, which is really, really interesting. It's a good clip if you want to look that up on YouTube. Am I skipping? I just saw the video skip like crazy. <laughs> then there's a beautiful interlude called Come Live With Me. The original is from Dorothy Ashby's Afro Harping album. Let's hear a bit of that. So there's an electric organ or something in this track that's got this low swelling buzz. That feels so good in my ears against that smooth harp sound. Like, and I love it when musicians are attentive enough and skilled enough to thoughtfully pair instruments like that in a way that really complements the other, you know? Yeah. But in Brandy's version, it's just the harp by itself. So you can really focus on that gorgeous melody. The chord progressions in the song I just find so satisfying. But I, I adore both versions, though. In the latter half of the album, we have Moving Target. Here's a bit of that. So this one was written and composed by Younger. The tone of the vibraphone and the xylophone here from Joel Ross is just so magical. It's buttery and bubbly in your ears. I feel like people who get those ASMR tingles would love this. They'd get those tickles in their brain folds, you know? This one 
is one of my favorites for sure. I love it. It's so soulful, groovy. Yeah. The, the hip drum beats. Um, that you can tell has got to be Makai McRaven on drums for this, mm-hmm. for this song. Mm-hmm. And the orchestral arrangements are just so gorgeous and kind of remind me again of his his uh, most recent album, which I love so much. The, the just soulful orchestral pieces inside of the song. It, it's so beautiful. Almost yeah. gives it like a vintage feel. Yeah. One of my favorites before Moving Target is that track Running Game. And I just love how smooth it is. It's it's jazzy and you have those brushed um, drums and the bass is just velvety smooth. And it almost seems like contemplative in a way, like mm. maybe you're sitting in like a jazz bar and just sort of reflecting on your life or something. Yeah. I don't know. Like it, it, it's it's thoughtful. It's It's music for thinking, but not in a snobby way. It, it's meditative more and more than like thinking i guess yeah that makes sense no totally reflective thinking rather than like strategic thinking i guess is a a better way to say it this whole album is now these days my go-to for like work if i need to work and concentrate there's just something about it that puts me on this wavelength where i can really zero in on something that i need to do so yeah I, i do think it's i get it it's like mentally energizing in some way yeah Another great track called Dust features vocals from Grammy award-winning singer-songwriter and bassist Michelle Indegio Cello. This is a cool one, too. I like the effect, like the doubling they put on her voice. Yes. It gives it like a very unique flavor. I love this one. I also love Michelle so much. I've seen her oh, yeah. live twice. Uh, I'm um, jealous. But so sophisticated again, just so full down-tempo grooves, vibes for days. Yep. Love Michelle's voice. The bass on it, too, is impeccable. Yeah, this song is a yeah, jam. this is groovy. All right, so the final two tracks are covers. First, we have The Windmills of Your Mind, which appears on Dorothy Ashby's 1969 album, Dorothy's Harp. Also incredible. Listen to it immediately. The original song comes from French composer Michel Legrand. Honestly, I think this is one of the most beautiful songs ever made. It's just gorgeous. Uh, you should listen to the original, listen to wow. Legrand's version as well. It's just, ugh, I love it so much. Okay. In this cover, producer and rapper Ninth Wonder delivers a chill, light hip-hop beat that's reverently reminiscent of Ashby's recording. Let's hear a little bit of that. Yeah, this is great. This was also the theme song to um, the Thomas Crown Affair. <laughs> you remember that movie from, I think, it was, was it the 90s? Thomas Crown Affair? Oh. I don't like that version, though. It's way too fast. It's insane. Yeah. Not a good cover, in my opinion, but probably... Oh, okay. It's not a great cover, in my opinion, but it's probably it's probably the one people would rec- recognize the most, you know, just because it was the theme song to a big movie. There's something for me that feels awkward with the hip hop type beats with the harp. And maybe it's really? just that I need to listen to it more so it'll grow on me or something. Here's what I recommend. Listen to Dorothy Ashby's version because she, okay. she has a beat, a drum beat going on in the background. And I think that kind of sets the stage for being able to get, you know, get into this, this newer version. 
But I've heard similar critiques of this. Like some people just aren't feeling the drum programming vibe with, with the harp and the jazz thing at all. That's cool. That's cool. But I do think if you hear like the original that informed this version, it might like bridge that chasm a bit. Okay. Yeah. I'll check that out. See how the two differ and, and see if my mind changes at all after hearing the uh, Dorothy Ashby version first. Yeah. The version on Dorothy's harp is just perfection. I love it so much. Um, I, I think I would say I like it better even than Brandy Younger's version. Interesting. Yeah. But, you know, I guess that's why she was so inspired to work with it because it's just such a great recording. All right. Yeah. So the album wraps up with a lovely take on Stevie Wonder's ballad, If It's Magic, from Songs in the Key of Life, which actually features Dorothy Ashby on harp in that recording. So I think that's a sweet way to, to end the album. Yeah, that's what I wrote, too, that this, If It's Magic, Stevie Wonder, is, is a perfect ending to the album. It's soft. It's gentle. It's like a lullaby. Okay, now you can go to sleep. The album is over. Yeah. Just close your eyes. Close your eyes. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. It's just a really beautiful ending. Perfect selection. And it's also like this, this beautiful metaphor at the end of the album where Brandy Younger is assuming the role of Dorothy Ashby in the piece. Like it's almost like she's standing in her shoes now. You know what I mean? Dorothy Ashby did the original recording of the song and now we get to hear it from Brandy Younger. And I don't know. I just think this is such a great tribute to her hero. Dorothy Ashby. Yeah. So all in all, this is an elegant, polished album. It's mature, yet imaginative. I feel like we can really hear the confidence from Brandy Younger in this direction she's taking. It's a great balance of contemporary jazz, R&B, and hip-hop elements, in my opinion. And not once does the harp recede into the background, which I think is quite a feat for her, to her credit and to her great playing. And you know what? I don't really buy vinyl, but I bet this would sound killer on vinyl. It's actually kind of tempting. Oh, 100%. <laughs> you should do it. Yeah, definitely one of can my favorite I peer albums. peer pressure you into You absolutely can, because I, I should do it. I would love to own it on vinyl. <laughs> yeah, but this is definitely one of my favorite albums of the year. Brandy Younger is currently on tour. She's going to be at the Atlanta Jazz Festival this weekend. Oh. Yeah, so she's in our neck nice. of the woods, as probably as we speak. Yeah. Are you going to go? Well, no, because that would require me leaving my house and like standing (laughs) amongst lots of people. So probably not. But I'm going to be cheering her on from here. (laughs) Actually, no, she's performing like early in the afternoon. So that's that's my. Yeah, that's my jam. When it's light out, you know, I got to be in the house. It's outside. Yeah. And it's outside. So maybe I don't know. Maybe I'll get it together. She's worth it. I would like to see her live. Yeah. If you need a. Uh, partner in crime, let me know. I'd be down to go to that. Hells yeah. There's immediately for me a commonality between both of these albums in a in a way of like thinking about change and metamorphosis and becoming a butterfly almost. Mm. Because I think, you know, Carol King is not necessarily shedding her husband like a dead skin or a yeah, whatever. Um, a shell. It, it. She's going now on her own. She's branching out and doing her own thing after after this album. It's it's this like in between layer, and I think for Brandy, it's more of a like, like stepping into 
the shoes of her idol. Like she's done so much. She's, she's growing so much in her career that now she is this, this, um, new icon in the field of harp and jazz harpistry. Um, she (laughs) is stepping into this role, you know, I don't know how, no, I, I, she's stepping into this role. Yeah. I think for me, another connection between the two would be just how prolific they both are at what they do. Like already, Brandy Younger has done so much. Carol King has written so many songs and done so much. And I think Brandy Younger is on track to have as full and impactful a career, you know, with just how hard she works mm-hmm. and just how much she's doing. That's what impresses me most about both of these women. They just, they're just on their grind with their gift, you know? And I think that's really impressive. And I do, and I do think there's something about these albums that are Mm -hmm. like transformative. Like it's like a necessary bridge to some, the next bigger thing. And I know that Brandy Younger really, she wanted to do this album for a very long time. So now that she's done this thing, she's paid homage to her hero. Uh, Who knows, who knows what she's going to hit us with next, you know? But yeah, it's like, but she's also no longer in the background. It's her. It's her. She's now in the forefront. This harp is not just a piece and a band blending in to make one beautiful. I mean, it does blend in and makes beautiful music. But do you know what I mean? Like she, this is her. She's center stage. Her yeah. art, her baby. This is, yeah. I like it. I like it too, man. Good picks. Good picks. Good picks. <laughs> Cool. Well, I can't wait to learn more about Dorothy Ashby in the future. And yeah, she's she's crazy good, man. Listen to listen to Afro harping and Dorothy's harp sometime. I will. I shall. All right. Cool. Well, you have uh, something on your to do list to do, and that is to fix your harp string. Oh yeah. So thank you for I reminding say, me because I already forgot. Yes, I'm terrible. Yeah. Okay. When I get home, I say now. Yeah, but don't forget to pick up this record on vinyl to take home to listen to while you're fixing your harp. That's a good idea. A double dose of inspiration. Yes. (laughs) I need it. Awesome. And I'm going to go listen to Evan Dando again, maybe. (laughs) You're going to try to hunt down that video (laughs) clip so I can see it. Yes, I will. (laughs) All right. Let's get out of here. All right. Everybody, get out. No, let's not say that. (laughs) Happy trails. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Record Store Society is hosted by Natalie White and Tara Davies. If you'd like to contact the show, visit our website at recordstoresociety.com. Or you can find us on all your favorite social media sites with the handle at Record Store Society.